is a wonderful week away. Got to pick up my boys and bring them all home where they belong. And so, <laughs> said every parent everywhere, right? And so my son graduated Moody this past uh, week, and so we're excited. We've got a, one college graduate in the house, another one next year, another one after that, and so Lord willing, uh, uh, but what, uh, it's always nice to have everybody home. And uh, what a great message Pastor Frank preached last week. Uh, we are so encouraged. I don't know if you've not had an opportunity to listen to that. I really would encourage you to jump online and um, uh, grab that. It just really was a, was a blessing to me. It was funny. I, I hadn't really had an opportunity to listen to it towards the end, until the end of the week. And I had already kind of developed my outline as far as where I was going to go in today's message. And I was just so encouraged because after I had, after I had kind of had my outline together and, and listened to where Pastor Frank went, I just found it so encouraging to see how what the Lord put on his heart to share last week ties in so wonderfully with what I felt the Lord put on my heart to share with you this week, so much so that even some of the texts are the same. And so I just thought, you know, of all the texts in the Bible, when God does those kinds of things, you know God's speaking to us as a congregation. And I just thank God for the team that we have. And so... Um, it's just, uh, it, it's just a blessing to listen to that message. And so if you haven't heard it yet, I would encourage you to jump online next week or before the week's out and listen to Pastor Frank's message this morning. And uh, maybe this is like part two to that in, in, in one way. Um, Ephesians chapter one is where he kind of brought us last week. And I'm gonna share with you some of the texts that he shared last week. And it kind of provi- provides some context for us as to um, something that Paul will pray for the church afterwards. But I think that the context of where his prayer is going really can be appreciated when we understand what he says prior to that. And so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, let's turn together to Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll take a look at these uh, words that Paul pens to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. If you have your Bibles with you, if you're using your Bible or an iPad, you can circle that word in Christ. We're gonna see that's a theme oftentimes in Paul's writing, but very much in this passage of scripture here. He says that God has blessed us uh, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I love this. We are recipients of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That means that some of those spiritual blessings we're walking in now, and some of them, while ours, we will experience when we get on over to the other side, right? So they're just as much ours now as they will be as they are later, but some of them are experienced in different levels depending on where we are on which side of eternity, right? But the beautiful thing is that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in him. I love that passage. I mean, this is just one of those passages of scripture that happens. It's a reality that's presented to us that takes place before time even began. What Paul is writing to the church and to you and I today is that God chose us in him before the beginning began, before the foundations of the world, God chose you. You say, well, how does that work? I don't know. You don't know. We won't understand it fully on this side of eternity. Before God put things in motion, he chose us. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a God I completely understand everything, right? There, there's this whole, like, he's infinite, I'm finite, and so I'm not going to understand everything. But these are those moments where you got to look and say, wait a second, God chose me before the foundation of the world. What he chose me to? To be blameless and holy before him. In love or out of love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. I love that. Not only did he choose me, but he adopted me. Why did he adopt me? Because I was born, I was, I was born in sin. I was born disconnected. I was born an enemy of God, the scripture says. I was born with original sin. And so God, knowing me before the foundation of the world, applies the the work of Christ to my life, calls me his own, and predestines me no longer to be an alien, but to be adopted into the family of God. Adopted to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. I don't see anywhere yet in this where we have done anything. We are just the recipients. We are just the blessed. We are just on the receiving end of the goodness and the graciousness of an almighty God who chose me before the foundation of the world. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Look, In him, we have redemption through his blood, which results in the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth earth. In him, we have redemption through his blood. What is Paul saying here? That we have been recipients of the goodness of God, the forgiveness of God, the graciousness of God, and the redemption has been secured by the blood of Jesus Christ, which makes us sons and daughters of God. It changes our disposition before God. We were born on our way to hell, the scripture says. That's clearly what it says, but God stepped in to our life and calls us his own, redeems us by his blood, takes the punishment for our sins upon himself and redeems us by his blood. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Do you see the picture that Paul is painting here in the book of Ephesians? He is reminding us that we, what we will see all throughout the scriptures, that our salvation isn't dependent upon us. It is secured by him. That our salvation even isn't even about us. It's all done for the praise of his glory. 
and his majesty. It is his work bestowed upon us. We are the recipients of the goodness and the graciousness of Almighty God. And these are the kinds of truths that we have got to get a hold of as God's people because when we understand what Christ has done for us and the work that's been accomplished, it begins to inform the way in which we prioritize and live our lives. You see, if we would start seeing what God has done for us, it would start to impact the way we see God, ourselves, and the world around us. You see, this place called, in this this arena called time that we're currently in is very, very short. And the older you get, the the more you will affirm that that time is very, very short. It goes very, very quickly. But we weren't created for time. We were created perhaps in time, but we were created for all of eternity. And the big picture of things is not about what's happening just in here. It's not about where we are here. It's about where we're going. And when we understand the means and the extent to which God has accomplished our ability to get on over to the other side, it causes us to love on him that much more. This passage of scripture is just, it's just rich in positional truth. It helps us to define who we are who we are and realizing that we are who we are not because of anything we have done but because of what he has done and when we recognize that we start living out in accordance to who we are Paul highlights and, and, and unites his readers around the fact that we have, been, we have been redeemed by his blood, we have been forgiven of our trespasses, and he has lavished us with all these spiritual blessings by his grace. I mean, that's what you and I are recipients of. I mean, it, it doesn't get any better than that. There is no greater inheritance than that. There is no greater position than we could possibly be in than the one that we are in Christ. We have been redeemed by his blood, forgiven of our trespasses. We've been lavished upon by his grace. You see, when we understand that, everything else kind of falls into its right place in our lives. So many times we can get distracted from those critically important truths that we can get we can get. Um, We can miss the joy and the blessing that God wants us to walk in as his children. Now we're gonna unpack those verses in in the days ahead, uh, but but, but for this morning, I want to draw your attention to that that passage of scripture that that I just read, that which Paul had stated, really kind of drives Paul uh, to this next section of scripture that I want us to kind of focus on this morning. It's this passage of scripture that is a reflection or response uh, uh, from what he just said in those verses. So let's take a look together at verse 15 of chapter one. He says in verse 15, he says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. We see right from verse 15, he says, for this reason, that that kind of serves as a bridge from from what he just said to what he's about to say, right? As a result of our position in Christ, as a result of the redemption that we've been recipients of, as a result of the forgiveness that we have, as a result of the position we have 
before God. Paul says, as a result of that, or for this reason, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my, in my prayers. In other words, based on what was just said, I am reminded that you and I are united together in Christ. He's saying because of what we just laid out in the opening of this chapter, we are brethren. We share this same faith. We've been washed in this same blood. We have been called by this same father. We have been adopted into the same family. We have this same assurance, this, this guarantee of salvation. And he says, because of that, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He highlights that everything that needs to be done for us has been done in Christ, and he celebrates the fact that not only are, are we recipients of that, or am I a recipient of that, but we are recipients of that. And so now we have been washed in the blood. We are the family of God. We have been, rede been redeemed. We are the recipients of the spiritual blessings. We are, are, are a reflection of what God is doing in the world today. And so now we have this opportunity, Paul says, because of that, I don't cease to give thanks for you and I remember you in my prayers. Now Paul just lays out, does an amazing job in these earlier verses highlighting that everything pertaining to their salvation, past, present, and future, is the direct result of the grace of God and the grace of God alone, not the work of man, right? We have not chosen him, he has chosen us. He'll say in chapter two that we were dead in our trespasses and sins and dead people don't choose God. God makes us alive so we can choose him. And so we now are together in the family of God and we see that God has done this incredible work. And he says, because of that, I am praying for you. Well, if, if Christ has done everything already, then what is Paul praying for? What does he look, if, if, if the work has been accomplished, what's the goal of the prayer? Well, we, we don't, thankfully we don't have to wonder very long because he lays out for us that in these next number of verses exactly what he's praying for. And I think that if we realize and embrace the, the content of what Paul is praying, we'll get a better understanding of what the heart and will of God is uh, for us to understand in the way in which he perceives us. Let's take a look. We're gonna see four things that Paul prays for the church in Ephesus, which obviously is extended to you and I today, four things that he prays in light of these spiritual blessings that we already have in Christ. Look at verse 16. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I love that the first thing Paul prays for is that they would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That they would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation not to be a success in life, 
that they would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, not just to be happy in life, not to just kind of get what you want in life. No, what Paul's praying for them is that they would, uh, that they would experience, the, receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, of him. I love, you see, verses three through 15 all highlight how much God knows us. Before the foundation of the world, God knew us, right? Before we knew ourselves, God knew us and he called us and he adopted us, right? So we see in that passage of scripture that we read that it has everything to do with God, with what God knows about us. And Paul says, what I'm praying for you is that in light of that, you would know God. That you would know God. I'm praying that you would receive a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Not that you would know about God. There's a lot of people who know about God, but they don't know him, right? They don't know him. Jesus said that at the end time, people are gonna say, Lord, didn't we... Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do all these wonderful things in your name? And Jesus is gonna say, depart from me, I never knew you. It's possible to know about God, but not know God. And what Paul was praying for the church at Ephesus is that they, they would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The greatest call, the greatest goal, the greatest pursuit that you and I could ever pursue is the knowledge of who God is. Truly know him. It's my heart's desire for myself. It's my heart's desire for our church that we'd be a people who know God. Because when we really know God, our life reflects a person who knows God. Our priorities revolve around a person who knows God. You see, oftentimes what we know about God is connected to what we've experienced from some past authority figure. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a, a coach, a teacher, a, a, a whatever, someone who hurt us in the past and now we, we come to this biggest authority of God and we think, well, God must be just like they are and they begin, we begin to distort. It's so critically important that we, that we know God. It's what drove the Apostle Paul. I mean, Paul accomplished so much in his ministry. He's this radical um, um, conversion experience on the road to Damascus on his way to go and persecute the church and and Jesus um, knocks him to the ground and he has this incredible experience and and he comes to faith and then he begins to to build on the church that he at one time began to persecute, right? And as a result of him pursuing Jesus, we see churches are are being birthed and we see three quarters of the New Testament is is before us because the Apostle Paul was penning these words under the inspiration of the scripture we see Paul's ministry extending all throughout uh, that, that area and we start seeing the, the, the signs and wonders and all incredible things are happening in Paul's life but you know what it wasn't his pursuit he was, his pursuit was not just to build the church what was his pursuit Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 Paul says this but whatever gain I had what gain all the gain I just mentioned all the accolades, all the accomplishments, all the successes, all the pursuits, all the things that make us go, wow. 
Whatever gain I had, he says, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Not that they're not important, but if I were to contrast the importance of Christ to these things, it's just loss. Indeed, he says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I love that what he says. He says that knowing Christ, it, it, there's just this surpassing worth, worth. It exceeds anything this world can ever give to us. This idea of knowing Christ. All of those successes are his loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ that I may be found there it is in him not having a righteousness of my own because our righteousness would never be satisfactory not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that righteousness which comes through faith faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith what righteousness the same righteousness by which Christ was made righteous is applied to our lives in that we stand before God because we've been clothed in his righteousness and look what Paul says here. He said, and, he, and then he lays it all out there. He says, this, this is what I'm all about. This is what drives me. This is what gets me up in the morning. This is what compels me to go. He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I love this, this characteristic about Paul. Paul is not just pursuing being like Christ in the power of his resurrection. I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? Everyone, everyone wants to walk in the power of Christ's resurrection. Those are those high moments, those, 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 those winnable moments where we, we can see the power of God on display and we saw Jesus and we, we saw incredible ways in which the power of God has been, been seen through the ministry and life of Jesus. And Paul is saying, man, I want to know those moments in Christ but that's not all he wanted to know and he said but likewise I also want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings I want the things that broke his heart to break my heart I want the, the, the sting of betrayal that he experienced to be my experience as well because I want to experience everything Jesus experienced so that I might know him all the more it's what drove the apostle Paul wanting to know this one who he loved the most that I may know him and church I pray that that is what drives us I pray that in the midst of all of the things that we've got to do and all the things we're responsible for and all the, the, the exciting times of life and the fun times of life and all I'm not saying none of that matters it all matters but in light of knowing him all of those things must come into alignment and find the proper priority so that we might grow in our knowledge of Jesus. That was Paul's prayer for himself. It's a prayer for the Ephesian church. That's my prayer for myself, that I might know him more. I recognize in so many ways I have not even scratched the surface of all that he is. I've got my preconceived ideas. I've got my regurgitated readings. I've got my experiences from my past. I've got all those other things, and I thank God for it, but I recognize I've got so much more to grow. 
I want to know him more. And I believe you do too. And it's not some mystery on how to get there. It's not like God is dangling a carrot and saying, you know, here's all the things you need to do. What is it? It's pursuing him. It's going after him. It's prioritizing that relationship. And that's what Paul is praying for the church, that they would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Oh God, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation today in the knowledge of you. Open the eyes of our understanding. Help us to see you. Lord, let us walk like you would have walked had you been in our shoes today, that we would know him. Secondly, Paul prays, number one, that they would know God. Secondly, he prays that they would know who they are in Christ. That they would know who they are in Christ. Look at verse 18. He prays, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That you would know who you are in Christ. You would know for, what, for the purposes for which you've been redeemed. Obviously, it's the, it's the knowledge and the understanding of who you are in God who you are in Christ. It's the biggest tragedy in the church. The vast majority of Christians don't fully understand who they are in Jesus Christ. And that, 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 that misunderstanding as to who we are in Christ affects the way in which we live our lives and see ourselves. We need to get a great dose of understanding how God sees us so we can start seeing ourselves as God sees us. Too many times we, we draw uh, the conclusions about who we are in Christ based on our performance, right? Hey, I've, got, I, I've read this much today, I, did, I prayed this much today, I went to church here today, I did this, I did that. Therefore, based on what I have done, we seem to be good, and so God might be, may be pleased with me. As if God is keeping score as to what we do or we don't do. Oftentimes, Christians see themselves on a journey to earn God's approval and acceptance. As Pastor Frank mentioned last week, they felt, they felt the rejection of their parents. People feel the rejection of their spouses or their lovers or their friends, and, and they're just waiting to mess up with God where they finally, they, they, they've crossed the line and the other foot drops and God says, no more. And that is a distorted and unbiblical view of the relationship with God. As Pastor Frank said last week, never, 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 no, never will God forsake you. You're his. And understanding what Christ, what Christ has done, understanding the extent to which Christ went through to help us understand who we are in Christ, we realize nothing will snatch us out of his hands. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Listen, he chose you before you even messed up. Before the foundation of the world, God said, mine. God chose us before, before you even messed up. You see, sometimes we mess up, we go, oh, God's done with us. No, no, you, like, like God just 
said, oh, I didn't realize they were going to do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have chose them if they were going to do that or act like that or believe that. I would have never chosen, like, like, like God learns. God doesn't learn. He's omniscient. He knows everything there is to know about everything, right? God is not limited by time. God is over time. And so when God chose you, he knew full well all of which was going to take place in your life, and he still says, I love you. You are mine. I've adopted you. He chose you. He foreknew you. He predestined you. He adopted you. He redeemed you. He forgave you. He sealed you. And the day is going to come where we're going to cross out of time and into eternity, and we are going to be with him forever. That's the big picture, folks. You say, well, pastor, what about sin? Does that mean that we can just go ahead and and do what we want to do? Not at all. The person who embraces Christ, the person who who puts in motion this understanding, this awareness, and has embraced the, the righteousness of Christ is not looking to see what they can get away with. Every person is going to have falls and, 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 and setbacks all along the way. John writes about this. He says, I write these things, children, that you might not sin. But if you do sin... You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And you see, sin robs us from walking in the goodness and blessing of God. Your sin is not gonna take you out and make you, move you from an adopted son to God to be unadopted. It's not gonna take you from spiritual life to spiritual death. There's nothing in this Bible that's going to teach that. If a person is willingly and decisively living in an area of sin, all that's going to reveal is they've never embraced Christ in the first place. That's what John writes. He says, hey, they went out from us, but they weren't of us. For if they had been of us, they'd still be with us. But they went out from us so that their their darkness of their heart would be exposed. And so the reality of it is, I, I, I'm not anybody who's been around here anytime. I don't make light on sin. I talk about sin. I, I, I'm not, in, I believe with all my heart we need to push back and fight, even as scripture says, until bloodshed against sin. Not, but here's the thing, ready? We need to push back against sin, not to gain acceptance. We need to push back against sin because we have been the recipients of acceptance already. We have been accepted. It's not our nature. It's not who we are. And when we engage in those areas uh, areas of sin, we're not walking as God designed for us to walk and we miss out on walking in the blessings and the goodness of God. And what Paul's praying for them is that they'd understand who they are in Christ Peter says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want to tell you, I am someone who has been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, and I want to proclaim the excellencies of his greatness because I didn't do anything to deserve it, but he stepped in. And before the foundations of the world, he chose me in him. He says, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. We see the change that takes place because Jesus stepped in. We're not what we were. 
right? And we're a chosen generation. You're, you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's own special people. Put that kick back in your step, redeemed one. You are loved by God. Don't let your circumstances rob you of the joy and blessedness of walking in that positional truth of being his son. And here's the thing. To the degree that you walk in that, to the degree that you embrace that, you won't want to sin. You'll want to walk so far away from that because of your love for Jesus. Paul prays that they would know God. Secondly, Paul prays that they would know who they are in Christ. Thirdly, Paul prays that they would know where their reward comes from. Look with me at verse, the rest of verse 18. He says, having your heart, the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We're not getting the inheritance of somebody else. It's not about getting the inheritance of gold and silver on this world, with this earth that, that, raw, that, that rusts and mold and, and is, is gonna destroy. No, the inheritance that is awaiting for you and I has an eternal uh, reality to it. It's the, Paul prayed that they would understand where their reward comes from. When we understand who we are in Christ, everything we need is found in him. You see, too many times we seek affirmation and accolades from the wrong sources. We look to people and things to give us a sense of value or fulfillment or, 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 um, or of worth. And the moment we put all of our eggs in that basket, we realize we're just gonna be disappointed because nobody can ever give us what only God can give us. And we need to understand, and listen, hey, much easier to preach than it is to, to live out, just, just saying. Because I'm no different than you, I want the approval of man, all right? I want everybody to like me. I want to come across the right way. I know you don't want your pastor to feel like that, but he does. I mean, that's just, that's the working on, I'm trying to kill that, but it's just real. And I'm trying to remind myself that, that my, my value comes from Christ. My worth comes from Christ. I don't need someone to pat me on the back because there's, a, there's one who I love the most who's gonna look me in the eye one day and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, it's so much easier to preach that, but when we gotta live that out in our day. And Paul is praying that they'd understand where our reward comes from. He is our reward. He is our reward. Look at Paul writes earlier in that same chapter. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is not something we're hoping to get. This is something you already have. You say, I don't feel like it because you're not walking in it. We, we need to prioritize our lives in such a way that our, our life is, is, is running parallel with who we are in Christ and the, and the direction in which we're going. Our reward comes from the Lord. James will write that in, in, in his first chapter of his epistle. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and, get, and perfect gift is from above 
coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Everything we have, it comes from God. Now it might come through the hands of people and we need to extend thanks and graciousness and gratitude to people who are good and generous to us, but we need to recognize that, that it all comes from God. Your paycheck doesn't come directly from your employer. Your paycheck comes from God, right? Your, your health doesn't come just from your best decisions. Your health comes from God. Everything that God has given to us, everything we are recipients of comes from God. He is our rewarder. And Paul was praying that they'd understand that. Interestingly, this is the same church that, that, that Jesus will address in Revelation chapter two that got so caught up in doing works. He said, I've seen your works. I've seen all the good things you've done. You just forgot one thing. You left me your first love. Same church. And so we, we need to know who God is. We need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know where our reward comes from. And then fourthly, Paul prayed that they would know God's power and ability to deliver. That they would know God's power and ability to get the job done. God is faithful. God doesn't start something that he does not complete. He's look at verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. I love that. He prays that they would understand what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. That we would understand, church, what the immeasurable greatness of God's power is towards you who believe. There is nothing greater, there's nothing more influential, there's nothing more powerful than the greatness and power of Almighty God. It's not by might nor by power, but by God's spirit that everything gets accomplished. And Paul's prayer for them and my prayer for you and myself is that we would understand and walk in the knowledge of, of, of the greatness, the immeasurable greatness. You know how big that greatness is? I don't know either because it's immeasurable, right? It's, it's immeasurable. There's no metric you could put on it that, would, that could compare with anything else. It is immeasurable, the greatness of his power. And I love what Paul does here. Look, what he, look, how he, look what he likens the power, the immeasurable greatness of his power that we're recipients of. Look, he says, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. In other words, he's saying the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that same immeasurable power is able to get you across the finish line is the one who is for you, is the one who, is, who, who loves you, who is going to complete that work in you. The, Paul's prayer is that they would understand and know God's ability to deliver. These spiritual blessings, they are, they are in Christ. They are in Christ. They are not in your ability or mine. They are not in the results of us making it happen. So long as you're in Christ, then these blessings are yours. If they're not, then just throw that Bible away because it's all a bunch of lies. This is not just theoretical. 
This is biblical. This is theological. This is truth in the truest sense of the word. And these are the times where we have to look and say, well, do we want our experience to dictate truth or do we want the word of God to dictate truth? That's what we have. We are the recipients of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Don't let your circumstances, good, bad, or ugly, rob you from walking in the blessed spiritual blessings that God has for you today. That they would know God's power and ability to deliver. That they would know the immeasurable immeasurable power of his greatness. Paul had a little inkling of what that meant and that's why he was so able to confidently say to the church of Philippi, I am confident that he who began a good work in you, he will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. I just want to encourage you today that you might not be where you think you need to be. You might not be checking all the boxes the way you thought you should or you think God wants you to. Pursue holiness. Say no to the flesh because it robs you from from walking in the goodness and the blessing of God. But don't make the leap and think that your position and your acceptance by God is based on your ability to perform correctly. That's, that's a leap that is unbiblical, it's ungodly, and it's gonna rob you from the joy of your salvation, the way God wants you to walk in that joy. Paul's prayer was that they would know God. May we know God, church. This day in which we live is crazy. <laughs> You can't even begin to put your finger on what the heck is going on, all right? I mean, it's just nothing makes sense. Nothing's predictable. It's it's, it's just, we see the manifestation of sin all around us in this world today. And I don't want to sound like a gloom, it's not even sound like a gloom and doom preacher. It just sounds like a news broadcast. That's just what's going on in the world today, you know? We need to know God in this hour more than we know the one we love the most on this earth. That we'd know God, that we'd know who we are in Christ. That our identity in Christ would inform the way we live our lives. That we'd see ourselves as God sees us. That we'd stop chasing after the affirmation and accolades of people and realize that our reward comes from the Lord. And sometimes that reward might not be received until the other side. Are you okay with that? And then lastly, that we would know and find great comfort in God's power to deliver us. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, he's going to complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that we are the recipients of your love and your grace. And Lord, while we can't pinpoint all that happened before the foundation of the world, we thank you that you chose us in you. We thank you that you've adopted us and you call us your own.
Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that we would know you more and more in this hour. That we'd embrace and understand who we are in Christ. That, Lord, we'd seek after your approval and your approval only. And that we'd rest in your ability and power to deliver. Father, I pray if, there's, if, you're, if you're here this morning, whether you're in the room or listening online, maybe you've never asked Christ to forgive you of your sins. Maybe you're not in Christ, as Paul talks about, so important. I would encourage you, I would implore you today to look to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Recognize that he came so that you might be forgiven. Ask him to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. It's in the quietness of your own heart. And let us know. We'd love to talk and pray with you about that. Father, may these truths be the lens by which we look at the world and people and ourselves. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.